0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Glenn Hallstrom, a.k.a. Smokestack Jones, SmokestackJones at gmail.com. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, Chapter 23, which contains the substance of a pleasant conversation between Mr. Bumble and a lady, and shows that even a beetle may be susceptible on some points. The night was bitter cold. The snow lay on the ground, frozen into a hard, thick crust, so that only the heaps that had drifted into byways and corners were affected by the sharp wind that howled abroad, which, as if expending increased fury on such prey as it found, caught it savagely up in clouds, and whirling into a thousand misty eddies scattered it in air. Bleak, dark, and piercing cold, it was a night for the well-housed and fed to draw around the bright fire, and thank God they were at home and for the homeless starving wretch to lay him down and die many a hunger-worn outcast closed their eyes on our bare streets at such times who let their crimes have been what they may can hardly open them in a more bitter world such was the aspect of -of out-of-doors affairs when mrs corney the matron of the workhouse to which our readers have been already introduced as the birthplace of oliver twist sat herself down before a cheerful fire in her own little room and glanced with no small degree of complacency at a small round table on which stood a tray of corresponding size, furnished with all necessary materials for a most grateful meal the matrons enjoy. In fact, Mrs. Corney was about to solace herself with a cup of tea. As she glanced from the table to the fireplace, where the smallest of all possible kettles was singing a small song in a small voice, her inward satisfaction evidently increased, so much so, indeed, that Mrs. Corney smiled. Well, said the matron, leaning her elbow on the table and looking reflectively at the fire, I'm sure we have all on us a great deal to be thankful for. A great deal if we know it. Ah, Mrs. Corney shook her head mournfully, as if deploring the mental blindness of those paupers who did not know it, and thrusting a silver spoon, private property, in the innermost recesses of a two-ounce tin tea caddy, proceeded to make the tea. How slight of a thing will disturb the equanimity of our frail minds. The black teapot, being very small and easily filled, ran over while Mrs. Corney was moralizing, and the water slightly scalded Mrs. Corney's hand. Drat the pot,' said the worthy matron, setting it down very hastily on the hob. "'A little stupid thing that only holds a couple of cups. "'What good is it up to anybody except Mrs. Corney, pausing, "'except a poor, disliked creature like me? "'Oh, dear!' "'With these words, the matron dropped into a chair, "'and, once more resting her elbow on the table, thought of her solitary fate. "'The small teapot and the single cup had awakened in a sad mind recollections of Mr. Corney, who had not been dead more than five and twenty years.' she was overpowered oh she'll never get another said mrs corney pettishly oh she'll never get another like him whether this remark bore a reference to the husband or the teapot is uncertain it might have been the latter for mrs corney looked at it as she spoke and took it up afterwards she had just tasted her first cup when she was disturbed by a soft tap at the room door "I'll come with you said mrs corney sharply some of the old women dying, I suppose. They always die when I'm at meals. Don't stand there letting the cold air in. What's amiss now, eh? Nothing, ma'am, nothing, replied a man's voice. But, dear me, exclaimed the matron, in a much sweeter tone. Is that Mr. Bumble? At your service, ma'am, said Mr. Bumble, who had been stopping outside to rub his shoes clean and to shake the snow off his coat, and who now made his appearance bearing the cocked hat in one hand and a bundle in the other shall i shut the door ma'am the lady modestly hesitated to reply lest there should be any impropriety in holding an interview with mr bumble with closed doors mr bumble taking advantage of the hesitation and being very cold himself shouted without permission Hard weather mr bumble said the matron Hard indeed ma'am replied the beetle auntie broke you'll weather this ma'am we have given away mrs Courtney, we have given away a matter of twenty quarter loaves and a cheese and a half this very blessed afternoon "'if them paupers were not contented.' "'Of course not. "'When would they be, Mr. Bumble? said the matron, sipping her tea. "'When indeed, ma'am,' rejoined Mr. Bumble. "'why, there's one man, in consideration of his wife and large family, "'has a quartered loaf and a good pound of cheese, full weight. "'Is he grateful, ma'am? "'Is he grateful not a copper farthing's worth of it? "'What does he do, ma'am, but ask for a few coals? "'It's only a pocket-handkerchief full, he says, coals.' What does he do with coals, toast his cheese with them and come back for more? That's the way with these people, Mom. Give them an apron full of coals today, and they'll come back for another the day after tomorrow's is alabaster. The matron expressed her entire concurrence with this intelligible simile, and the beetle went on. I never, said Mr. Bubbles, see anything like a pitch has gotten to. The day before yesterday, a man, a man with hardly a rag on his back. Here Mrs. Corney looked at the floor. "'goes to our overseer's door when he's got company coming for dinner "'and says he must be relieved, Mrs. Gordy, "'As he wouldn't go away and shock the company very much, "'our overseer sent him out with a pound of potatoes and a half-pint of oatmeal. "'My heart,' says the ungrateful villain. "'What's the use of this to me? "'You might as well give me a pair of iron spectacles.' "'Very good,' says our overseer, taking him away again. "'You won't get anything else here.' "'Then I'll die on the street,' says the vagrant. "'Oh, no, you won't,' says the overseer.' (laughs) that was very good so like mr gannett wasn't it interposed the patron well mr bumble well ma'am rejoined the beadle he went away and he did die in the streets there's an obstinate pauper for you it beats anything i could have believed observed the matron emphatically but don't you think out-of-door relief is a very bad thing anyway mr bumble you're a gentleman of experience and ought to know come (laughs) mrs corney "'Smiling as men smile, who are conscious of superior information. "'Out-of-door relief, properly managed, properly managed, ma'am, is the parochial safeguard. "'The great principle of of out-of-door relief is to give the paupers exactly what they don't want, "'and then they get tired of coming.' "'Dear me!' exclaimed Mrs. Corney. "'Well, that's a good one, too.' "'Yes, betwixt you and me, ma'am,' returned Mr. Bumble. "'That's the great principle.' That's the reason why, if you look at any cases and get them audacious newspapers, you'll always observe that sick families have always been relieved with slices of cheese. That's the rule now, Mrs. Corney, all over the country. But however, said the beetle, stopping to unpack his bundle, these are official secrets, Mum, not to be spoken of, except, as I may say, among the parochial officers such as ourselves. This is port wine, Mum, that the board ordered for the infirmary. Real, fresh, genuine port wine. Only out of the cast this forenoon, clear as the bell, and no sediment. Having held the first bottle up to the light and shaken it well to test its excellence, Mr. Bumble placed them both on the top of a chest of drawers, folded the handkerchief in which they had been wrapped, put it carefully in his pocket, and took up his hat as if to go. "You'll have a very cold walk," Mr. Bumble said. The matron. "It blows, madam," replied Mr. Bumble, turning up his coat collar. "Enough to cut one's ears off." The matron looked from the little kettle to the beadle who was moving towards the door, and as the beetle coughed, preparatory to bidding her good night, bashfully inquired whether whether he could take a cup of tea. Mr. Bumble instantaneously turned back his collar again, laid his hat and stick upon the chair, and drew another chair up to the table. As he slowly seated himself, he looked at the lady. She fixed her eyes upon the little teapot. Mr. Bumble coughed again and slightly smiled. Mrs. Corney rose to get another cup and saucer from the closet. As she sat down, her eyes once again encountered those of the gallant beetle. She colored and applied herself to the task of making his tea. Again Mr. Bumble coughed, louder this time than he had coughed yet. Sweet, Mr. Bumble, inquired the matron, taking up the sugar basin. Very sweet indeed, ma'am, replied Mr. Bumble. He fixed his eyes on Mrs. Cornery as he said this, and if ever a beetle looked tender, Mr. Bumble was that beetle at that moment. The tea was made and handed in silence. Mr. Bumble, having spread a handkerchief over his knees to prevent the crumbs from sullying the splendor of his shorts, began to eat and drink, bearing these amusements occasionally by fetching a deep sigh, which, however, had no injurious effect upon his appetite, but, on the contrary, rather seemed to facilitate the operations in the tea and toast department. You have a cat, ma'am, I see, said Mr. Bumble, glancing at one who, in the center of her family, was basking before the fire. And kittens, too, I declare. I am so fond of them, Mr Bumble, you can't think, replied the matron. They're so happy, so frolicsome, and so cheerful, that they are quite companions to me. Very nice animals, Mum, replied Mr Bumble, approvingly. So very domestic. Oh yes, rejoined the matron with enthusiasm. So fond of their home, too, it's quite a pleasure, I'm sure. Mrs. Corney, Mum, said Mr Bumble, slowly and marking the time with his teaspoon, I mean to say this, Mum, that any cat or kitten that could live with you, Mum, and not be fond of his home must be an ass, ma'am. Oh, Mr. Bumble, remonstrated Mrs. Corney, It's of no use disguising the facts, ma'am, said Mr. Bumble, slowly flourishing his teaspoon with a kind of amorous dignity which made him doubly impressive. I would drown it myself with pleasure. Oh, you're a cruel man, said the matron vivaciously, as she held out her hand for the beetle's cup and a very hard-hearted man besides hard-hearted man said mr bumble hard mr bumble resigned his cup without another word squeezed mrs corney's little finger as she took it and inflicting two open-handed slaps upon his laced waistcoat gave a mighty sigh and hitched his chair a very little morsel farther from the fire it was a round table and as mrs corney and mr bumble had been sitting opposite each other with no great space between them and fronting the fire it will be seen that mr bumble in receding from the fire and still keeping at the table increased the distance between himself and mrs corney which proceeding with some prudent readers will doubtless be disposed to admire and to consider an act of great heroism. on mr bumble's part he being some sort tempted by time place and opportunity to give utterance to certain soft nothings which however well they may become the lips of the light and thoughtless "'do seem immeasurably beneath the dignity of judges of the land, "'members of Parliament, ministers of state, "'lord mayors, and other great public functionaries, "'but more particularly beneath the stateliness and gravity of a Beadle, "'who, as it is well known, "'should be the sternest and most inflexible among them all. "'Whatever Mr. Bumble's intentions, however, "'no doubt they were of the best, "'it unfortunately happened, as it had been twice before remarked, "'that the table was a round one. "'Consequently,' Mr. Bumble, moving his chair little by little, soon began to diminish the distance between himself and the matron, and, continuing to travel around the outer edge of the circle, brought his chair in time close to that in which the matron was seated. Indeed, the two chairs touched, and when they did so, Mr. Bumble stopped. Now, if the matron had moved her chair to the right, she would have been scorched by the fire, and if to the left, she must have fallen into Mr. Bumble's arms, so... Being a discreet matron and no doubt foreseeing the consequences at a glance, she remained where she was and had Mister Bumble another cup of tea. Hard-hearted, Mrs. Corney said. Mister Bumble stirring his tea and looking up into the matron's face, Are you hard-hearted, Mrs. Corney? Dear me! exclaimed the matron. What a very curious question from a single man. What can you want to know, Mister Bumble? The beadle drank his tea to the last drop finished a piece of toast, whisked the crumbs off his knees, wiped his lips, and deliberately kissed the matron. Oh, Mr. Bumble, cried that discreet lady in a whisper, for the fright was so great that she had quite lost her voice. Mr. Bumble, I should scream. Mr. Bumble made no reply, but in a slow and dignified manner put his arm around the matron's waist. As the lady had stated her intention of screaming, of course she would have screamed at this additional boldness, but her exertion was rendered unnecessary by a hasty knocking at the door, which was no sooner heard than Mr. Bubble darted with much agility to the wine bottles and began dusting them with great violence while the matron sharply demanded who was there. It is worthy of remark, as the curious physical instance of the efficiency of a sudden surprise of contracting the elephants of extreme fear, that a voice had quite recovered with all its official asperity. "'If you please, mistress,' said a withered old female pauper, hideously ugly, Putting her head in the door old oh, sally is going fast well what's that to me angrily demanded the matron i can't keep her alive can i no no mistress replied the old woman nobody can she's far beyond the reach of help i've seen her many people die little babies and great strong men and i know when deaths are coming well enough but she's troubled in her mind and when the fit's not on her and that's not often for she's dying very hard she says she has something to tell which you must hear. She'll never die quiet till you come, mistress. At this intelligence, the worthy Mrs. Corney muttered a variety of invectives against the old women who couldn't even die without purposely annoying their betters, and, muffling herself in a thick shawl which she hastily caught up, briefly requested Mr. Bumble to stay till she came back, lest anything particular should occur. Bidding the messenger walk fast and not be all night hobbling up the stairs, she followed her from the room with a very ill grace, scolding all the way. Mr. Bumble's conduct on being left to himself was rather inexplicable. He opened the closet, counted the teaspoons, weighed the sugar tongs, closely inspected a silver milk pot to ascertain that it was of the genuine metal, and having satisfied his curiosity on these points, put on his cocked hat cornerwise and danced with much gravity for distinct times around the table. Having gone through this very extraordinary performance, he took off the cocked hat again and, spreading himself before the fire with his back towards it, seemed to be mentally engaged in taking an exact inventory of the furniture. End of chapter 23. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens.